a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we've been covering all of the issues surrounding the coronavirus and how the that has impacted so many different aspects from the elections and the election results to uh, what's going on in our community and state, obviously new things coming out uh, over the weekend from the governor and uh, a real push here over the next two weeks. We'll continue to follow all of that. Uh, but something struck me uh, last week, a, a column by Lois Collins, a longtime reporter and uh, in-depth writer for the Deseret News, award-winning journalist, uh, extraordinaire, and just one of the great thinkers, especially when it comes to things that impact our families, our communities. And uh, so I've invited Lois to join us, and uh, Lois is uh, fresh on a new knee, so we appreciate her uh, gimping on down, but she's looking great. <laughs> And uh, you wrote a, just a, a really powerful piece on some of the things that we've learned during the cam, uh, during the, the course of the pandemic uh, relating to children and uh, children uh, welfare, those kind of practices. Uh, give us just a little backstory there. So it's kind of interesting because I spent the very first part of the pandemic writing all this bad news from how we're going to make death decisions if the hospitals are over, right. overrun to, you know, how the virus attacks. But. In the course of the pandemic, it's also become clear that some people have benefited in ways that are maybe unexpected and that there may be parts of the pandemic, things that we learned and practices we adopted that we want to keep for those people at least. And one of the areas where that's really clear is in the child protective services Mm. system where they've found kind of unexpectedly, there've been a lot of stories about, we don't know how much abuse there is because people are not seeing their pediatricians as much. They're not seeing teachers as much. And so there aren't eyes on the system, Mm -hmm. on on families, the way you might want them to be. But they've also found that by going remote, um, parents who are working very hard to get their children back or to learn new skills are being able to visit more because it doesn't have to be coordinated with 50 people. You can visit on Zoom. You can talk to your kids for a few minutes a day. And that has been very powerful as an incentive for these families and Mm -hmm. also to help the kids kind of have a sense of normalcy in a really difficult time. They've also found that um, a lot of times when kids go into court hearings with judges in courtrooms, it's very scary. It's terribly intimidating. And they don't really participate. They kind of mumble yes and no, and they don't give a lot of information. And they found that that's true of families, too. And over Zoom, people are much more – they're more – confident and Mm -hmm. it's a little bit less scary. Less intimidating, yeah. And so some of those interviews may want to continue to be done over Zoom, which is interesting. And then family closeness. We all know, for instance, that teenagers would rather spend time (laughs) with their friends. They still would rather spend time with their friends and they can't as much. But families are being more intentional in the things they do together and they're doing more 
ordinary things together, but in ways that allow them to have side-by-side conversations, mm-hmm. which are really powerful. Yeah. So instead of sitting your kid down and looking him in the eye and maybe making him uncomfortable and saying, how was school today? You're cooking together. And so you're talking about things that are important and you're learning a little about each other and you're building a relationship. Um, families are doing more outdoor things. That's really, really important. Yeah. And I think that the part of the pandemic that I personally want to keep is just not taking the world for granted. Mm-hmm. I really miss water. Mm. I did not know how much I loved water, but I miss walking I, I miss being able to go to a pool, to right. go somewhere and soak in a hot tub, being able to go swimming with friends. And I didn't know that was a thing for me, really, but I yeah. miss it a lot. I miss going to movies the way I used to go to movies mm-hmm. and going to restaurants the way I used to go to restaurants. And I also miss seeing a lot of my friends. Yeah. And I think that this gives us an opportunity to think about who we really are and who we want to be and what we value and to prioritize that going forward so yeah. that we don't. You know, I have a group chat with my family that said, hey, no Thanksgiving together this year. And my brain says yes, and my heart says no. And I'm not going to take the fact that, you know, for for 60 years I've gone right. to family gatherings and have just taken them for granted and sometimes missed him because, hey, I was tired or whatever. Right. I think that's yeah. that's all stuff in the pandemic that that we could keep yeah. and that we could benefit from. Yeah, so important. And, and uh, I want to go back to uh, that idea of just those side-by-side conversations. And uh, just in our remaining couple of minutes here, uh, looking at, uh, one, how that impacts the the children, because I think that's so vital. And then going back to those who are dealing with uh, welfare, welfare services and so on, uh, you also mentioned in your piece that uh, – a lot of times the, the judges and the social workers are actually able to spend a little more time they spend, and a little more side-by-side time. Absolutely. With, with and they spend more time talking to each other because you're not coordinating travel time to the courtroom and working mm-hmm. schedules quite the same way. It's easy to catch three minutes for a Zoom meeting or a phone call where yeah. you can really talk about something. And there's some indication that in a lot of communities, social workers are working very hard to connect more often with families mm. that are stressed and yeah. that need help. So it may not be as formal, but it's definitely as intentional and it's certainly valuable. Yeah. And in your, in your studies, I, I wanted to make sure I got this question in, in in terms of some of the things that are the challenging points. We talked about some of the good things coming out of uh, the pandemic. How has the uh, kind of the isolation, the increased stress and pressure on some parents in terms of finances and so on. Uh, how is that playing out? I think it's playing out differently in different families because the pressures are are not all the same. There's a lot of indication that financially some families are struggling a great deal and other families are not really going through too much different. It's kind of inconvenient or kind of odd or maybe they're enjoying having a little more downtime. But I don't in any way want to um, take away from the message that this has been really hard in so many ways. People have lost loved ones. People have lost jobs. People have lost so much. Um, it's just not all of us, and we need to be mindful of those who aren't like us, who are suffering more than us. Yeah, fantastic. Lois Collins from the Deseret News, always appreciate your insight and uh, always helping us to keep the right perspective. And then how do we move forward? Love that side-by-side conversation. I think we need uh, a whole lot more of those in our society. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, final segment. 
going to talk about how we put the pieces all back together again. How do we bridge the divide? How do we march it forward? Stay with us. Much more to come on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.